Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Future, a podcast by the Entrepreneurs Forum, where we talk to entrepreneurs about their work, their lives, and especially their views on the future and how they're innovating as they plan ahead. I'm Yvonne Bell, and today I'm talking to Sam Harrison of Animersion. Based in Middlesbrough, Animersion was set up in 2006 by Sam Harrison and Dominic Lusardi and spent the last decade working with a varied client base, including big names like Axon Nobel and local companies such as Unipress in Sunderland. As CEO, Sam leads on Animersion's business strategy to deliver immersive user-centered experiences. Their animations range from simple and stylized to advanced and photorealistic, bringing a range of 3D virtual reality and augmented reality experiences to a diverse portfolio of clients. Good morning, Sam. Good morning. Good morning. So could you just start by telling us how you got into this line of work and just a little bit of a career background and what the early days of setting up business were like? I suppose my passion was initially stirred for this kind of thing. I suppose when I was still at school, I used to play a lot with Amiga computers and, and those sorts of things, particularly used to read mm-hmm. Amiga format. And on, on that one day, there were some cover discs that had a piece of 3D software called Imagine. And so even I suppose when I was 12 or 13, I was experimenting with 3D computer graphics, very early virtual reality and animation, etc. I then, when looking at universities, spotted that Teesside was pretty much leading the world in terms of visualization. And so Applied Forum was accepted onto their creative visualization course, which was a fantastic course in terms of delivering, I suppose, experience and education in areas as diverse as animation, computer programming, drawing, absolutely everything from the creative all the way through to the deeply technical. And on the back of that, I then went into virtual reality as an, uh, I suppose, as a career working at Teesside University's virtual reality center. And then a few years later, set up on my own with Animersion. Shortly after that, uh, Dominic joined me and I suppose the rest is history really in terms of growing the business, really with an aim to take the sort of techniques of entertainment, but deploy them for uh, I suppose, a more varied and perhaps serious purpose. Yeah, like back into commercial and, uh, and industry. Absolutely. Yeah. So your team, were you and Dominic at the time? And then how long did it take you to, to get the team together? I mean, how do you find people like that? Because it was fairly new, wasn't it? Um, it, it was, yeah. But oh, I suppose I'd been working with a number of freelancers delivering projects that were well above what I could do on my own. And so over a period of time, those freelancers ended up both working with us full time. And I think over the years, really, the way that we've brought talent in is being able to establish a relationship and work with people, usually in a freelance context or on short term contracts. And then as the company has grown and scaled, we've been able to offer them full time contracts. And I think one of the, I suppose, a testament to the way that we work and how interesting and diverse the sorts of things we work on are is that we have an extremely low staff turnover. The vast majority of the people that have joined us have stuck with us over the years. Mm-hmm. How big's your team now? Um, we're just shy of 20 people now. Yeah, so that's a lot of heads, isn't it, to, yes, to, to yes, get absolutely. all of that stuff together. So how has your firm changed since you set up? And what are the biggest obstacles that you've had to get your growth? Obviously, if you've been taking people on like that, that's a very steady way, isn't it? But have there been other obstacles in your way? Well, I suppose looking at it from afar, probably the biggest obstacle that we've faced it's really people's understanding of what we do. In the very early days, if I talked about visualization, people would first consider that you were maybe talking about some kind of meditation technique or something. Whereas now, and certainly virtual reality and augmented reality 
very few people even had a concept of. So probably our biggest challenge really is something, you know, is recognizing that we're ahead of the curve in terms of explaining what we do and its value to industry. Sometimes we have to start at a simpler end of things. So generally what we deliver with most companies starts out with animation and then over the course of working with those organizations and showing them what we can do and how we can take those assets into different places for them, they sort of learn and grow with that project and inevitably will end up delivering immersive content for them in the fullness of time. So can you make it simple for us and just <laughs> explain what augmented reality is compared to virtual reality and how you have put that into a specific business? How have you made it work for a particular manufacturing business? Okay, well, um, I suppose... Yeah, firstly, in terms of immersive tech and those different terms, virtual reality is probably the thing people are most familiar with, largely because it's been addressed by Hollywood quite a few times now. And essentially, that involves putting on a headset, a pair of very clunky glasses, really, that will entirely immerse you in another place. So everywhere you look, if you move your head around, if you even walk around, you're essentially in a new place. And obviously that has phenomenal potential. We think, well, I think probably the greatest value actually, maybe even more so than games and entertainment in the fullness of time is in training, in that you can put somebody into scenarios that perhaps you couldn't put them in in the real world, either because they're too expensive or too dangerous. You can allow people to make mistakes that, you know, that simply you couldn't allow them to make in the real world. And obviously there are huge training benefits to that. So virtual reality takes you somewhere else. Augmented reality, really what that's doing is, I suppose, modifying the real world or annotating it in some way and typically most people's experience of augmented reality will start with a mobile phone and you're seeing that a lot now with various games or sort of advertising and marketing approaches one of the companies that really pushed the limits with that in the early days was ikea and that's a great use case in terms of being able to browse a catalog on your phone um, choose a particular product that you might be interested in buying and then drop that into your living room and see how it looks. And you can do that, you know, you can simply take a, a lamp or something, put it on the table through your mobile phone mm. screen and interact with it and essentially see what it will look like, maybe take photographs of it in that context. So they're quite different in that space. There is a level of convergence, though, in terms of another phrase people may have heard of is mixed reality which essentially is wearing a pair of glasses that deliver an augmented reality experience. And so you're not having to hold up your phone. You're able to simply, very similar to virtual reality, wear this headset and see real world or virtual objects placed into the real world. And in some cases, that's done as a kind of hologram. And in others, it's done a bit more like what you're getting in your mobile phone. So it's, uh, it's using a video feed and adding the content to it. And there are other realities as well. People will often talk about XR or extended reality, really, that's a catch-all for everything. And I've even read and, and come across the term RR, which means real reality, which, uh, which sounds ridiculous that we'd even talk about it. But you can imagine a future where people are spending so much time using these different kinds of reality, augmented, virtual or mixed, that being able to define and talk about real reality might become an important thing. <laughs> Yeah, just to get back to normal. Exactly, yeah. So from that, you're saying that other people use these various realities. What's your USP then? I think ours really is that we can move between them. So we're really, really good. There's a few, I would say, USPs. Firstly, we're, we're fantastic at engaging with people with very deep, technical, complicated subjects that they want to communicate. So we're great at talking to academics or engineers or or scientists, and then working with them to distill that complex subject 
into something which can then be shown to an end user that may not be an expert and for them to understand. So the simplest example of that is animation. And we can work with, a, with somebody with a very technical product or service or concept and help them to distill that into something which can be shown to people and they can watch the animation and they'll understand. So one element of a complex into something simple. The next is being able to then deploy that through perhaps animation, but we can then also then take that same content and we've got the experience to then deploy that through virtual reality or augmented reality, both of which we would use the same underlying technical skills, but they have very different user experience requirements. Because we've worked in all of these different areas, we can really take things from one place and deliver them to another, which obviously has you know, real value in terms of return on investment. It means that we can take something that would perhaps be very shareable on YouTube, but then deploy that in a interactive training context for use on the ground, or there's a vast array of uses potentially. And we have that skill base to take those assets and deploy them through whatever channel you want. Uh, So in an earlier episode of of our podcast, we spoke to Karen Winterhalter of Onyx about the launch of their virtual interactive events. Animotion developed and launch the platform. So how does that one work? We had the opportunity to apply for a Innovate UK grant early in the pandemic. And really what, what we were trying to do there was to fill a gap initially in terms of events and customer engagement through a web browser. You may have noticed, um, I mean, you can't possibly have, have missed the fact that there were events carried on throughout the pandemic. And so there were lots of virtual events. For us, though, the majority of them were doing nothing more than than linking up video and websites, perhaps making them look a bit like an event, but there wasn't much real innovation in terms of the, I suppose, interactive 3D. And what we were keen to do there was allow people to actually engage with a trade show stand or people's physical products using VR technology, but deploy that through a web browser. So we got some funding from Innovate UK to enable us to invest in that platform. And really what we were doing there was taking our usual approach using Unity, but in, in this occasion, delivering it, delivering the output through a web browser so that you could walk around on somebody's trade show stand or in, in fact, any space, pick up products, talk to people on the stand, stream video into them and actually build bespoke experiences. So in some cases we built, we made products interactive so you could trial them and see how that product worked. In other cases, we built secret rooms. So you had to ask somebody for a password to get into that room to generate a bit of excitement and a sense of exclusivity. And so, yeah, really what we were doing was filling a gap of being able to actually walk about a 3D space and engage with people in that context that was a bit closer to what people were missing. Yeah. And meanwhile, you were just sitting at home with your slippers on. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Which seems odd, doesn't it? And did the constraints of the pandemic, obviously that must have pushed things along. Is that why you went for it big time? Uh, Yeah. I mean, we've always been heavily involved in, I suppose, the marketing and promotion of products and the training around them. And almost always in the past, that had been a a face-to-face first approach. So we were adding value to real-world interactions. What happened, obviously, with the pandemic was, you know, that face-to-face became not viable in the short term. And so, you know, worryingly for us, we had a number of really big projects on the boil which were about delivering content for for real-world events. What we were able to do very quickly, though, because we're digital, is pivot everything that we did to online first. That doesn't mean that it's only online. It means that we can come back to the real world later, but it means that you know, to begin with, it will be deployed in, a, in an online space first. And with many of our customers, we were able to help them in that process. So thankfully, it didn't really, uh, you know, after an initial scare for a couple of months, 
we were able to write, write the ship completely. And actually, we generated fairly reasonable growth throughout the period. Yeah. And do you think we can expect more of that coming through and even better? Yeah, I mean, I think it's people have probably realised now that it's important to make sure that you've got that ability to deliver in both. And a number of our customers found actually when they fully engaged with delivering this online, they generated far more engagement than they thought they would otherwise. One of our customers is seriously questioning whether they'll invest so much in real world events, given that they generated actually far more engagement and a great deal more leads just with the remote work. I think the future needs to be, you know, people talk about hybrid a lot, and I think that also applies to delivering digital content. I think face-to-face, we can add a great deal of value and make these experiences and these engagements more productive. But equally, I think it's important to always have that fallback or to look at how the, the digital can, I suppose, improve outcomes all the way through those processes. So to take an example of online events, we think that the platform that we've developed can add value prior to an event in terms of people maybe visiting your stand or engaging with your products before they get to the the, the actual event, maybe then focusing in on what they'd really like to, to talk to you about at the stand. Potentially, you can be spreading your live event into the virtual space. So that, that might enable you to actually be running that event and inviting people to come to your stand in virtual reality while the live event is happening. And then afterwards, people may think, well, that was a great thing that I saw. I'd like to go and see it again. And they can maybe engage with it in virtual reality after the event again. So it really allows a spreading of, of this content and the engagement into time and space in different innovative ways. Yeah, I can really see the benefit of that because you can go to some of these big shows and I've been to quite a few truck shows in my time, uh, one being in Dusseldorf and it was absolutely massive and you just couldn't, you could not get around it in a reasonable time and it hurt your feet. You know, it it was so you could have actually uh, cut a lot of that out, but still gone, but known how you could focus. I think that's the key, isn't it? Exactly. And you can spend spend long there afterwards as well. If there are things you missed, you can always fill in. Your more recent project has been your partnership with Kingswood Homes, who are giving house buyers immersive VR experiences, and that's allowing them to customise their interiors. I suppose this is a little bit like the IKEA thing, is it? It is, yeah. I mean, Kingswood have been a fantastic company to work with because they're really bought into the vision of what these things can do in the longer term. So for them, we were able to demonstrate that actually, well, firstly, they were interested in virtual reality. So we did a small proof of concept and demonstrated that we could achieve near photo real sort of experience in virtual reality of their homes. What we were then able to do is, well, they, they really challenged us. What they wanted to do was something a bit like mixed reality and a bit like virtual reality, entirely predefined homes. What they like to do is to design a footprint, but then let their customers choose how they want that house to then be built internally. So whether or not that house has three or five bedrooms, You might have a three bedroom house with large bedrooms, or you may want five, you may want that flexibility. So they allow their customers to essentially using our tech, put on a VR headset and walk around that footprint and customize it. So their agent can see what that person can see. The person doesn't need to have any experience of VR. We've removed all of the controls so that they essentially just put a headset on and walk around and they can talk to the agent who's got the controls can see what they can see, who can then customise it on their behalf. So it's a bit like some of those programmes that you see on the telly where people are able to walk around the house. On those TV programmes, there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors in terms of the customization is really not there. It's A lot of that happens in the edit, whereas in our system, that, that's genuinely happening. 
what Kingswood did there that was particularly interesting is they really brought into the notion that if we deliver at the high end, we're able then to deliver everything else that they might be interested in a lot more cost effectively. And this is what sort of shouts back to that notion of being able to move things between the different channels, one of our real USPs. So by delivering virtual reality, we're then able to deliver imagery and other kinds of interactive experience far, far cheaper to the extent where actually when you look at the the full cost of the project that we delivered, it would probably be akin to having a project to deliver imagery and animation of the whole site. But we're able to go in at virtual reality and then deliver the imagery, uh, deliver online walkthroughs, uh, sort of Google Street View style walkthroughs of the housing estate with customization and deliver interactive touchscreen content for their showrooms for a price that would have been, I suppose, similar to simply buying animation and imagery if you approached it from the other end. Yeah, it's a big topic that, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it's it's quite a bold thing to, to jump in at the top. Often people want to start small and, and slowly build, but there are real benefits if you're working with the right sort of organisation to jumping in at the top. If you know how to then move these things between the different channels, you can generate a vast amount more content and hit a great deal more audiences because you've delivered the hard thing first. The rest of it then becomes essentially a lot easier to do. Yeah. How do you see, well, your industry in the next 10, 20 years? I mean, it's almost as if, how do you think about it? Because it's so much out there, isn't it? It is. It's extremely challenging, actually. And uh, particularly when you, um, I suppose, are trying to deliver on multiple channels as well. What I think, well, firstly, I suppose I would expect visualization technologies to become ever more sophisticated and really open up the potential for um, organizations to do a lot of this in-house. That's something we have a lot of experience with construction industry. Many years ago, I used to do lots of work there doing architectural visualizations. But about a decade ago, it became very clear that the software solutions that designers were using in architecture now essentially allow them to do the same. So I think for us in that space, what we end up doing is helping and supporting our customers move into those spaces, delivering ever more of what they do or what we used to do for them. And then we can be their partner to push beyond what the majority of the market's doing at that point to allow them to remain at that cutting edge. But I think, yeah, what will happen is A lot of these tools will end up being things that organizations can use themselves. There'll be a lot more, I suppose, procedural generation of virtual reality. And that essentially means that you can have VR environments or augmented reality things generated for you by software. I mean, there's a really big move to this notion of the metaverse. And so, uh, I mean, Facebook are now talking about themselves as a metaverse concept. And really what that means is imagining a, I suppose, an internet of the future being based on primarily augmented reality and virtual reality experiences. There's a lot of challenges to that actually happening, though. Really, for such a thing to truly be called a metaverse, it would need to work like the internet does in terms of being able to leave one website and go onto another without leaving your web browser. In that context, you'd really want to be able to walk out of one virtual environment into another and have a completely consistent experience as you did so. But for those different virtual spaces to be perhaps based on on two different organizations intellectual property that's obviously challenging and a lot of companies are i suppose making a play to fundamentally own or be a very large part of that so the competition aspect is probably going to slow that down but there are some really interesting developments from from companies like epic games who released the unreal engine they're making some real strides in that space and that's they have fantastic software which for ordinary people at home you can download for free and start developing content without having to pay anything at all so uh yeah i think the metaverse will be a big thing too 
Sounds like you're going to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you say that, actually, because Epic's software is used by Hollywood now for a great deal of their editing and post-production. Actually, people on a lot of film sets now are using augmented reality technology in camera and using Epic Games software. Uh, so the games industry is essentially powering much of the film industry now. So what, what do you think has been your most exciting project that you've worked on up to date? That's a really difficult question. Uh, I, mean, uh, I mean, I suppose an overview, what we do is just fascinating often because of the broad range of different companies that we work with. Mm -hmm. And often it, it's not really the technology that's the truly rewarding thing. It's the getting to engage with these different industries and understanding what they do, some of which is utterly mind-blowing. So, you know, working in the mining sector and understanding how these mines work and the, the logistics and the complexity of what they do. I mean, working in industry and offshore and seeing the scale of some of these things. It's quite rewarding actually working in the, uh, in the renewable sector. I think the more that we'll be doing in the future, working with some of these companies that have real yeah. solutions to some of the world's problems that's deeply rewarding as well and i suppose in terms of audiences that we engage with i think all of our team get the most value i think when we deliver content for kids we've done a lot of work with anglo-american recently in terms of developing content for the scarborough science fair and uh, i mean i think the the kids are actually our toughest audience in terms of really testing and engaging with content if we build something that's breakable they will break it so the testing <laughs> has to be huge on that but i suppose seeing the outcomes and seeing how that content can genuinely affect lives and open up new horizons to those kids that's probably the most rewarding yeah and is that the sort of thing that you you look forward to in, in what you're doing or is it just all of it because you sound excitable about this you sound excited about what's happening and uh You've been doing it quite a while, so it's amazing that you've, you've kept your enthusiasm. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I suppose, I suppose one of the challenges for me was about 10 years ago, letting go of actually being a developer. So I haven't done any animation or development work myself for a long while. But the application of the technology and, and actually now building that team out and seeing the team develop is fantastic as well. I suppose that's probably where the majority of my passion is coming from now is seeing where we can, we can deliver ever greater, larger projects have more impact and hopefully be part of the future and the solutions to some of the problems that we have, certainly in communicating the solutions. That's really exciting. I mean, that's sort of touching on you being an entrepreneur now rather than a, somebody developing the things. You, you're pushing on, aren't you? Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Are there any entrepreneurs or businesses in the world or locally even that you've actually followed and admired? You know, like, you know, you read books about different people. Do, do you follow anybody or do you keep yourself to yourself? Um, we, we all, I think, are following different organizations and technologies. I've been looking a lot at Epic Games and the Unreal Engine and how and what they're doing. That's utterly fascinating and that technology is phenomenal. So they're kind of inspirational in, in terms of the vision that they have outside of games, but also the impact that they have inside of games. More broadly, I mean, there are obviously individuals like Elon Musk that are genuinely fascinating in terms of the approach and the, the scale and the bravery and the intelligence that's applied to some of the, the things that they do we keep an eye on other other companies you know facebook are doing very interesting things albeit you know I, I think i have more respect for the approach that perhaps epic games take in terms of the way that they're opening up their technologies and then i suppose locally some of our customers in the north uh, really blow us away in terms of the approach that they take there's a lot of hidden companies in the north actually that do some really great technological things that perhaps we should be shouting about more actually there's some real talent and innovation happening up there i think we're good at that in the north aren't we keep things a secret yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. it's a trick 
Um, anyway, so for people starting up, I mean, you've obviously gone through things and we haven't really talked about the business too much, but it's obviously progressed quite rapidly, but also you've done it organically. Mm-hmm. So for people starting up, is that what you would say to some of them? Just take your time and get there? Or I think it depends on the kind of business that you are. I think I would typify us as largely a service business. And for us to be as good as we are at what we do, that's something that required a a level of organic growth. Although we're definitely building up steam and we've got real potential for much more accelerated growth, I think, over the the coming years. But I think for people that are starting out, it really depends if you're in that service space and you want to be best in show, probably thinking about things organically. If you have an individual product, then that's probably where you'd be looking at maybe uh, investment and scaling faster. Otherwise, the world will move on without you. For me, I think the fundamental things are are really understanding the value of the people around you. And so for us, that's always been investing in our team and enabling them to develop. So giving them genuine responsibility and I suppose accountability for the success of things. And also making sure that you have the right support around you in terms of various mentors and and people that have done similar or parallel things before in the past. Yeah, sounds good. Anyway, that's about it. Thank you very much for that, Sam. Very interesting stuff and hope it continues. Yep, thank you very much. And we'll be putting in a, a lot of effort to make sure it does. That's great. Thank you very much for that, Sam.